Tesla's in some hot water this week. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, like most weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly from me, but also the SEC. But yeah, so my, my beef, they, they have a new feature. Uh, I'm not sure if you've updated your car yet, but it's called dog mode. Yes, I I did did receive this a couple of days ago, which is pretty great in a lot of ways. Where it allows you to leave your uh, pup or doggo in the car, and it will run the air conditioner and or heater. Well, actually, not and or, just one or the other. Seems counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can you can let them know that so nobody breaks your window and tries to be a hero, saying that you're gonna overheat or, or yeah or overheat your dog but the problem is on the in, infotainment screen and in the or the dashboard in the middle of the model three the the verbiage is it says my owner will be back mm, soon instead of okay. my human or my person right. so therefore yeah. i think i think that means everybody has to buy an audi e-tron instead because this is very not pc Elon. wait so does does audi have i don't think they a, have a dog a, mode. a dog mode with, with more friendly language I don't know, but you know the Germans always do it better. Does that come in the same package that the uh, turn signals do that most people opt out of with Audis? Or that is, is that... the dumbest joke ever. But, I, but I've <laughs> I've switched that joke depending on what brand of car I have. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when so, I, like, when I had like the X one, I would always partisan. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's whoever, which the home team advantage or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but when I had an X one, I always said that uh, turn signals were optional. Now it's now it's the opposite. <laughs> but the, but the benefit is that t- now Tesla owners are the bad people. Because if you ever see if you're ever getting cut off by somebody or somebody's doing a lot of jackassery on the on the highway, it's always some asshole in a Model S. Uh, yeah, Teslas do, and I, I I say this as a Tesla owner. Teslas do tend to drive very very fast. Not even fa- I'm not even saying fast inconsiderately. Like if you're going fast in the left lane, fucking go for it, dude. Like whatever, like slower traffic to the right, but driving uh, unsafely and um, in a uh, douchey manner is uh, very, very characteristic of Bay Area Tesla people. Yeah, I can't, I can't dispute that. Yeah, and then um, Elon's tweet about uh, <laughs> uh, fibbing or uh, being mistaken on how many. Uh, vehicles they intend to produce this year that's uh apparently he's in contempt of court now or something he cannot handle the truth it's so <laughs> nice mm-hmm. it's it's so bad it's just so bad like i was i was talking to somebody about this today and this this applies to certainly more people than elon musk i'm, I'm thinking of one other person who i'm sure you'll be able to guess as i'm explaining this I just don't get how rich, influential people, like, why they feel the need to tweet. I do. <laughs> really? Like, I just feel like if I, if I were ultra they wealthy... Help, they can't help themselves. But, like couldn't, like, couldn't you stoke your ego in better ways? You don't think Elon Musk... Okay, well, we... Uh, that's going to get us banned off the internet once tesla makes their own private internet <laughs> but like you don't he's you don't think he's just kind of such a jackass where he just has to like you never think that like i mean it, let's actually is it an unfair comparison but like compared to the to our current president like there's probably like institutionally like thousands of people suggesting he keep his mouth shut and stop uh the the, the tweets but it just has he just has to because it's part of his brand and it's part of the way he distracts everybody from whatever actual controversy people should be caring about. You don't think half like that half applies to Elon? 
No, I I think it does, but I'm and I'm saying in both cases, I just don't, I don't get it. Like it's and it's not, um, it's not the stoking the ego part that I don't get. That that part I do get, but I just like Twitter. Is that there's no there's no better way. Well, nobody nobody reads blogs anymore. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, eventually he'll get banned from Twitter, and then he'll just he'll do skywriting or something. <laughs> or he'll bore out tunnels in, in LA that say profane, awful things. Um, I have a, a semi-related question for you. More, more related to the, to the... <laughs> related to what? More related to the uh, first topic about cars, and less related sure. to rich people's Twitter habits. Mm-hmm. You're, and you can decline to answer any of this if this is getting too personal, but you... So your lease is coming up at some point here, right? Is that is that this year? Yeah, this year December. or next year? December. Okay. And no no update on kind of what direction you're thinking? I have no idea. I don't think things are changing, so I'm probably just going to get it like an XC40 or something dumb. And what's what's that f- the, that's the that's the Volvo? That's the the smallest Volvo SUV. Mhm. Yeah, cuz I can't what what else am I going to get? I don't have the infrastructure to have an electric car. And I just I don't know what what's a car for a 30-year-old? <laughs> if you did have the infrastructure for an electric car, would you get one? Mm-hmm. What would you get? I'd probably get a Model Three and just hate myself. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the I I hate the company and I hate Elon Musk so much. But it seems like a mostly good car. It's um, it, it's a really good car. The it's um, I I was so there was definitely I'm not really sure we've ever talked about this. I, I was definitely a little worried like when i was in the process of buying it like and what was i going to have some form of like buyer's remorse like was i going to let the hype get to me and then after owning the car for like a month was i going to regret something about it and it that has like 1000% not been the case and like the longer i've had it the more i've enjoyed it it's just it's such a fun car and I'm like the last thing from a car person. Yeah, I do. I do want for context to remind you that you bricked your car once. Um, well, it was. Um, yeah, it was not a great. Um, it was not a great first month <laughs> with the scratches that it came with, and yeah, the software trouble. Not ideal. And it uh, it was back in the shop this week. <laughs> Uh, Tesla uh, doesn't have a better name for the shop. (laughs) Uh, Not for any fault, really, of the car, but um, it had a cracked windshield. Oh no! Yeah, like like a a rock chip that just spidered out overnight. Uh It's the worst. And it was it was you know it wasn't like really really bad, but it was like it was pretty bad. So that needed to be fixed. Did your auto insurance cover it, or did you have to pay out of pocket? Yeah, no, they they. I, I there's a deductible associated with it but mm-hmm. yeah um but then the nice thing to tesla's credit was i just so happened to notice when when i noticed the, the crack on the front windshield i happened to notice there was a small crack on the rear window hmm. which was which was clearly not impact related so when i brought it in i mentioned that to them and they like literally like five seconds were like oh yeah no that's t- yeah, totally covering our warranty we'll we'll fix that too i was like oh Great. Nice. Yeah, I was kind of expecting to have to fight for that one a little bit, but that was super super easy. Good. 
what was the other Tesla thing? Oh, did you, and this kind of, this kind of, this will help transition us into technology stuff. But um, did you see the dumb report? I think it was middle of last week or maybe late last week where like consumer reports said, oh yeah, we're, we're rescinding our recommendation of the model three. It was the iPhone four all over again. And it, yeah, don't, don't get me started on consumer reports. It's so dumb. Like I, I don't, because I thought their whole thing was that they were still like an honest, like I, I always thought the iPhone thing was super dumb sensationalism, but I always thought they were still like, oh yeah, we don't accept review samples and we buy all our own stuff and we're, we're not like clickbaity. But like in the same report, they're like, oh yeah, the, the model three or uh, has the highest customer satisfaction of any entry level luxury car, except we, we won't recommend it. <sighs> it's really dumb. It's yeah. It's super bad. I actually didn't even bother to read into why they pulled the recommendation. But like in the middle of the day, there's like a, like a, like breaking news on CNBC about it, and, and it's it's not a real thing. There's so many reasons to dislike Tesla, the company, but that this doesn't really seem like one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, but but most 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 uh, most problematic is the uh, my owner will be back. So it's yeah yeah. Well, Get that if fixed. you. If you tweet at Elon Musk, he he frequently does respond to people. So I think I need to be get in coots with uh, dog rates and Darth to to get some clout behind this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What do you, so you, you're the the organizer in chief? So let, let's mm. see. <laughs> let's do some follow up or whatever. You're in charge of the show yeah. this week. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with the you know. On the topic so of not stories, not to imply that you're not in charge every week. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. We're we're in charge of different aspects of the show. <laughs> um, so in in uh, topics that we just can't get away from, I've actually got a couple of those to start out follow up this week. The first is the ongoing saga of where the Raiders are going to be playing next year, which I know you're you're very personally invested in, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, they. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. They the, the deal with AT and T Park, which actually never really was a deal, fell through slash never was a thing, and so then there was a bunch of new rumors about where they'd go, and it's all circled back to they will be staying at the Coliseum for at least next season, and then possibly the season after if their new facility in Vegas isn't done. So, uh, no concern about the Raiders uh, sullying. Uh, I, they already called it AT&T Park twice, I think. Oracle Field, or no, Oracle Park. Phone Company um, Park. Phone Company Park. Uh, you just have to worry about uh, potentially Bryce Harper on the field there. Thank you. Hold on. Sorry. Cause I, <laughs> hold on. Because I had two intros, and that was the second one. Yeah. Am I the only one that does not give two shits about this guy? Because he's so, not... Because a quick little rant or preamble. LeBron hasn't fixed the Lakers. He's not going to. You can't just pay a massive star player and hope that, that reinvigorates your franchise like either he gets paid 300 million dollars to go waste away with the phillies or something and maybe that gets butts and seats but they're still not going to win anything or like the dodgers buy him up i i don't i know baseball is a much smaller sport than football and that other stuff and it's kind of on the decline but like i don't get like this is all lebron's decision all over again and i could not give two shits about Bryce Harper. And I definitely, I, I do give a shit in the sense that I don't want him here. 
yeah, I, I mostly agree. I if, I would rather him just go to the Phillies and we'd be done with this whole thing. I would prefer him not to go to the Dodgers though, just because I just I just don't want to have to to deal with facing him all the time and going through that thing. So if, if it came down to it between the Dodgers and the Giants, I think I'd rather the Giants have him. But but the Dodgers are the kings of overpaying for talent and not actually creating any championships out of it. So let them waste their money. I guess, but the I mean the Giants have so much money that it's it's just not really it's not really going to matter. But have they changed good. enough of the other players to actually make a cohesive team? Like it's not all offense. But I guess the the point is if they go out and sign Harper, it's they can continue their other rebuilding efforts. It's it's not going to hamstring them. Yeah, that that's too much change for one season. We have new new well, it, name it, and it would it wouldn't happen in one season, and the contract he's looking for is like 10, 10 years, so they'll still, have some time. Still. Yeah. What um, we're talking about? Oh, yeah, Raiders. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> when's when's um, the... Um, LA has two football teams, right? Yes. And both of them sort of play at the weird stadium they made for like the 1984 Olympics, right? No. So the, the that's where the Rams play, but then the Chargers play where the LA Galaxy professional soccer team does. Thank you for the second half, because I didn't know what an LA Galaxy I, was. I kind of thought you might not. Um, uh, which used to be called Home Depot Center, but I think is currently called StubHub something. StubHub, StubHub Field, or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Edison Park, or whatever the Angels uh-huh. is called. Um. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so we aren't one or both of them getting a new stadium built? So they yeah, there there's a new facility being built in I think it's Inglewood, um where like the old Hollywood Park raceway track used to be. And both the Rams and the um Chargers will play there. And I think that's going to be ready. Wait, how does that work? Like, does the NFL take that into consideration when they're building out the schedule, or is there a potential oh, yeah. thing? No, no, no. It's it's like the uh, Giants and the Jets. They play in the same stadium in New York. I thought one of them was a New Jersey team, or I thought they were really. Well, it's it's the it's the New York Giants and the New Jersey. Uh... Wait, is it? Is I thought it the... they were like they are both New York teams, but they were different. I thought it was like a Mets Yankees situation. No, yeah, well, no, they're actually no, they're the both, they're both the New York, so the New York Jets and the New York Giants, and they both play in the same stadium, MetLife Stadium, hmm. and yeah, they just uh, either alternate weekends that they're home, or well, yeah, no, I think that's what they do because I don't think they'd ever have it where like one of them was home Thursday and the other played Sunday. I don't think. I don't know. See, all, all this whole conversation shows how I'm just kind of slowly becoming more unplugged from football. I just don't. Good. Like, I, I still watch it occasionally, but I'm just not not plugged into like the day to day of it. Like maybe I was a handful of years ago. Well, that's good. But I mean, I assume you're all in on sharks. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I'm all about the blues. Mm, yeah. Well, I, they can't blame you. Yeah, Barclay's pretty good. Uh, what about the? I didn't. Oh, I didn't expand the thing. What about the Apple Video service? Well, so there's, uh, I, it's become kind of the situation where 
the kind of the most interesting and kind of only unknown part about it is actually when it's going to launch. And with the stories that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, there seemed to be a consensus that it would be out in some form pretty shortly after the event, like sometime in the April timeframe. But shortly after we recorded, I think like the next day, Variety came out with their art, their own take on the event. And they're, they're saying that, you know, we're going to see some like original clips at the event, but that the service itself isn't going to launch for some number of months afterwards, putting it at, at some kind of like fall release. So what do, what do you think about this? Is this, does this ultimately matter? I mean, eventually, like if they wait long enough, that'll eventually give them time to cancel the idea and realize they shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I mean, I, my interest in this is super low, unfortunately. Like, I just, I don't care. I, I mean, there were those reports that they were saying that, like, the content providers were warned that they should get any back catalog stuff ready for April. So that did kind of point to a spring launch, but I have no idea. I'm still of the opinion that I don't think the announcement event gets streamed like a WWDC or an iPhone event, but that's, that's the extent of my interest or predictions. So you, when you sent that to me in the thing, I looked around to see if there was some news article that I had missed, but I, that's your, that's your take. Oh, that's, that's an original thought where it's like, they're talking about that new, like, I don't, what are they going to show for an hour and a half? Like they're just going to, are they going to have like, just like a, a press junket? Like it's, uh, what's, what's, the, where, where's Jason Snell when you need him? Um, up, up front, the, the TCA thing. Like I, I, they're just not gonna. It's not just gonna be Phil Sh or who's the other guy, Eddie Q talking to Jennifer Aniston. Like, what are you gonna fill an hour and a half with? And is that enough to put the icon on everybody's Apple TV and change Apple dot com and be like, oh yeah, look at these shows we're not gonna show you for six months? I, I, I don't. I seems like they wouldn't stream it. If they don't stream it, who's it for? The uh, Hollywood Foreign Press or <laughs> like the 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 Variety and the um the other things. Hmm. I don't know, but so you think there's not a shadow of a doubt that it gets streamed like any other thing? I think so. Yeah, I think I think this gets treated like every other Apple event. Yeah, I yeah, don't see it. Okay. Hmm. Uh, does Apple? Oh, <laughs> what's the third item? I'm not even looking at the outline. <laughs> um. All right, Slack. We've already talked about their icon. Oh, that is something I was going to talk about. Um. Because Apple, not Apple, I'm out of source today. Uh, because Slack redid their icon and they had that new aubergine logo um, and icon on the home screen, which did which did away with the beautiful plaid that they used to have. I had to redesign my whole entire home screen around it just because like, you can't have too many icons of the same color next to each other. Otherwise, it just becomes a mess. And then I did that. And then a week later, they now just made it look like the photos icon. And it's it's... I still really like Aww. the product, but it's super annoying. It looks, oh yeah, sorry if you didn't see that before. It you looks, just, yeah, you just like FedEx arrowed me. Oh yeah, or the Amazon smile. Um, Damn it! Oh, I, I, I'm never gonna unsee this now. <laughs> um, yeah, or if you like, I mean, it just looks like every fucking like. That's the problem with the logo is like the, the theory is there's like. Google and Microsoft, like every big tech company just uses like the four primary colors to make their logo. So now it looks like every other fucking Google product too. So I don't know if you're a Google Photos user, but it also looks like the Google Photos icon too. Oh. 
So it's it's weird and a bummer. Like right now, the photos icon and the Slack icon are far enough away where, like, I, this is no condemnation of the product, but it is super annoying just because like the old one was so playful. I know it was inconsistent depending on what platform it was on, but I really really loved the old logo, and I'm still still not used to it. The old logo was so good and so unique and could have been refreshed and unified so much more smartly. Because their thing is that they were like, oh yeah, the, the product icon and how we use it in marketing and what the actual like brand logo are. Like they're all disparate things. But you could have just leaned into the fact that, hey, our company logo and the app icon is this cool plaid hashtag Octothorpe style thing. And then we have like a smaller word mark and um, icon for the actual app. Like you, you, it could have been tightened up without murdering what, or without ca- casting aside what was a really, really strong um, visual identity to put it in design speak. Exactly. Yeah, no, which, which we like to do on this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you cover the hockey, I'll, I'll cover the design stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, um, oh, yeah. So you had put in here, and I didn't actually read it, unfortunately. <laughs> A thing about how energy bars are basically just all adults eat, and it's basically candy. Is that the gist of it? That's the gist of it, and we'll we'll put this in the notes for for reference. And I didn't read it, but again, I read the the headline, and that's all you need to do in 2019. Mm-hmm. And and I and I do agree with it. I think I think uh, Mark Peruzzi is absolutely right. But the reason I, I wanted to uh, bubble this up again is there. I have we talked about this a few weeks ago, and. We were both in agreement that kind bars were pretty all right most of the time, and that cliff bars are usually pretty gross. Is that most of it? That's most of it. And I think when you look at the nutritional facts, the the kind stuff tends to be better than most. Correct. So I do have a new uh, nutrition bar leader, though. Yeah. Very excited to see this. You put this in the thing like a couple weeks ago. I've been in suspense. So there's only one good flavor. Oh, of them. oh no! What? A Cliff Bar, really? It's good. Mm. It tastes nothing like a Cliff Bar. Like most Cliff Bars, taste like earthquake kit food. <laughs> uh huh. Do, do you know what I mean? I do. I mean, you live in California. You've had earthquake kits like your whole entire life, probably. Or luckily, you've never had to use one. But yeah. Like an MRE kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. D- d- yeah, exactly. Like all the Alex Jones stuff. Like this, this is what. All <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Alex Jones supports this? No, no. Alex Jones sells doomsday kits. No, so that's the yeah, whole point yeah. of uh, stoking fear that let's move on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not worth it. Um, so five, five grams of sugar. I, I, I'm like, I like that. Mm-hmm. And it tastes bad. good. Yeah, two two hundred sixty calories. Yeah, that's say okay. This isn't. That's not bad. Fourteen grams of fourteen grams of protein. So mm-hmm. you know when I'm when I'm doing all my my bodybuilding, that's mm-hmm. that's good. So the problem with this is that there this particular flavor or variant of Cliff Bar, even though it's decidedly better, is not available at most stores. So I did find it. Um, there's a a good uh, chain of. Um, small regional grocery stores in central marin called uh nugget markets and they have these oh yeah okay yeah but um i couldn't find them anywhere else and they were like two dollars and fifty cents at nugget and i don't go there that often so amazon does have them and amazon even though it's very 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 dicey if you want to buy food or household stuff you can get a 10 pack or an eight pack for 10 bucks 
on Amazon. So that's that's what I ended up doing. And this is ships and sold by Amazon.com. Oh, yeah. You which, definitely don't want to buy food, food from a yeah. <laughs> third Amazon Marketplace seller. So, okay. So there's... Um, don't buy co- any... Co- coconut yeah, almond no. chocolate. Gross. Mint chocolate almond. Maybe. Salted caramel cashew. And then your choice of peanut butter and chocolate that is the only one i endorse and that's the only one i will give a money back guarantee to people on and then flavors that are not available on amazon include chocolate chocolate mint chocolate peanut butter which is apparently different than peanut butter and chocolate no no have you those are the builder bars and those are also good but those have a metric buttload of sugar in them 21 grams of sugar jesus uh, but it's a non-GMO though, so yeah. Mm. Oh, and and you, I mean, if there's anything you know about me, Carlos, it's how much I <laughs> you I, hate I, science I, I, feeding people. Well, and like to build muscle. You know, that's that's just really what I'm all about. Yeah, and you're lifting a seventy pound dog around. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was who, it. Uh, yeah, a seventy pound dog who refuses to. Um, get out of the car on his own and has to be carried. So wait, down. so what does he do? Yeah, we have to I have to pick him up. Yeah, but what does he do? He just pretends like, oh, we're not home. <laughs> yeah, he's like he just, just sitting there. He just sits. Oh, so you got to put on dog mode for him, and then there you go. Eventually, he'll get hungry, or you, or you put the <laughs> his little dinosaur right outside the car. That cat could do that. Is that still around, or is that still alive? That is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And the I it's it I'm his two favorite toys are that dinosaur, and those little cookies that you got him. He's obsessed with those. Good. Again, I was worried he was going to eat them and choke on one, but <laughs> well, I mean, we have to. Yeah, we do have to kind of keep an eye on him when he's playing with them because they, they are. Hopefully, they do make a version that's slightly larger. But yeah, I couldn't find it on Amazon. Um, but no, he just he's he loves them. Yeah, he murdered a, a, a duck within like seven hours. Yeah, so. it's that's yeah. My my family had gotten him a couple of different Christmas gifts, and they were all destroyed within like two days of us getting home. <laughs> yeah, worth it. Yep. Uh, okay. So in terms oh, okay. of, so you, you'd recommend I try these? Oh, can I make that my pick of the week pro proactively sure. or retroactively? Can we pull that forward? We don't we don't call that pick of the week anymore. But sure, chef, yeah. actually, yeah, this is the anti chef special because it's. Probably the most manufactured food you can find, <laughs> but um, it's the thing that the chef eats while he's pre- preparing the real food. Got the ingredients list here. Something pretty special. Whey, whey protein concentrate is the first ingredient. Well, yeah, but that's their thing. The whole point is that these are whey protein bars. Like, it's in the name. Vegetable glycerin. Yeah, it's the best kind of glycerin. <laughs> uh, sorry, what, you, what, you were saying something? Um, what was I saying? Oh! Yeah, um, something somebody pointed out to me last week or something, uh, it all blurs together, uh, that I didn't know. When you're reading the ingredients on the back of something, they're listed in order of how uh, quantity is that they're in there. Yes. I don't know if I thought it was random or what it was before, but that was mm-hmm. really interesting to find out. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a quick little trick is to, you look at like the first three ingredients and you can usually get a a good idea of kind of what something what something is mm-hmm. all right i don't know so we're slowly easing into actual stuff i 
Do you have a lot to say about the Spotify buying Gimlet thing? I don't know if I actually have any novel thoughts about it. I know. We, we kind of held that on the last show to see if we would gather some more thoughts around it and save it for a future episode. But yeah, I even after you know, marinating it, marinating on it, like, like you like to say, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's um, like we, we've talked a handful of times on the show about Pandora too, which has increasingly, uh, again, as you would say, lean into the, uh, the podcasting thing. I don't even know what the hell they're leaning into after the thing you sent earlier today. That yeah, the stories thing, yeah. Um, which for people, if you haven't seen this, it's there. I, I, there, I guess there are there's there's stations like special kind of stations where they're going to be curating music and also like short clips of podcasts that kind of like talk about the music. I, I don't, I don't know. It, it's so not something for me that I just didn't really get into the details on it like and, it, it might be cool but that just seems like so niche where the, i don't understand how pandora that's trying to expand what it does thinks that's a thing to do yeah and i you know i'll admit and i i, th- I think i've made this disclaimer on the show before like both with spotify and pandora a, a big thing for them with podcasts is discoverability and finding new podcasts which is just something that i'm i don't want to do i <laughs> I'm already so buried in my existing podcasts that a new podcasts are just not a thing I need in my life. And so maybe if I maybe if I was new to podcasts or wanted more podcasts, I'd be a little more interested in what they're doing. But I don't know. For me, I just don't ever think that my music app. So like I, you know, I'm a big Pandora user. I think you're still a Spotify user. Heck yeah. Um podcasts just live in a different place for me you betcha combining music and podcasts just maybe i'm an old man here but i just it yeah i don't know that doesn't click for me back in 2005 back when do you remember there was a thing called podcatchers so that you could get your netcasts like that that's when Apple added that and they had the iTunes podcast directory and that lived inside of iTunes because that was back in the old days when we thought, oh yeah, maybe adding podcasts is too much. And then they just made the entire operating system iTunes. Like that's when it sort of makes sense to join music and podcasting. But in 2019, where podcasts for the most part are a substantial, like could stand on their own type thing, I like I get why Spotify wouldn't want to make a Spotify Spotify voice or Spotify podcast app that's separate because that's same thing of why I didn't wait no Facebook did the reverse they split Messenger out of Facebook yes so that's a bad example edit that out but like <laughs> but I, I I it just doesn't make sense for a continuity perspective that Spotify would make two separate apps but I also don't necessarily see the exact fit like I think having them in Spotify might get more people into them. But once somebody likes listening to podcasts, I don't think they would want them combined. And I don't think that really serves their interests. Right. Yeah. So but with the Gimlet thing, I mean, I, I think Spotify in terms of being like a good steward of um, like original like spoken word content, it's probably a good fit. And Spotify is in money spending mode to try to grow their audience and subscriber base. And they've been pretty effective at that so far. I just, I don't know. 
Like, I'm not super doom and gloom and worried about the, well, Spotify is going to fracture podcasting and there's going to be, like, these walled gardens of stuff. But, like, that already exists. Like, even Audible has, like, stuff that's exclusive to Audible. And so does Stitcher and other things. So I don't think that really makes it worse. So I don't really know. Like, and, and Gimlet, like, I don't know. Like, I, I always thought the... I didn't think the whole like venture capital backed podcasting startup that just wants to spend a bunch of money to make original content. Like I don't think, I guess in the version of podcasts that we care the most about, that that was really um, like something we thought was really promising. Like, I guess when people listen to podcasts that aren't T word people, do you think they're just listening to like, serial and these um narrative based shows or do you think a lot of them are listening to fresh air and the daily and stuff like i guess maybe that's my disconnect i guess yeah whenever you look at top 10 lists of most listened to podcasts yeah it's the daily it's this american life it's planet money it's the npr politics podcast it's it's all the stuff that you kind of expect a lot, I mean, a lot of it's NPR. I think of the top 20, I think something like 12 or NPR, which, you know, makes, makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I just don't, I think both of them serve a cool purpose, but yeah, I, I think like, I don't see who would want to listen to the daily inside of Spotify. I, I, I agree. Um, the, I think the, the interesting angle to me on this is, not really specific to podcasts, although that's the specific medium that we're, or I guess piece of media that we're talking about here. But it's it's in the umbrella of companies like Spotify and Pandora looking to have more control over the content that's on their platform, which then results in changes in their cost structures. Yes, yeah, so that's good because with like with you know music, obviously all of these platforms are kind of at the mercy of the music labels and it's 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 not impossible but it's going to be really 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 difficult and i'm i'm sure we've talked about this on the show before to kind of pull a netflix and sign a bunch of artists on their own and then try to directly distribute music on their platform because it's it's going to irritate their existing license holders it's it's just it's a big that would be a big undertaking and a big gamble so I think as an alternative to that, both Spotify and Pandora are trying to be a little creative and, you know, kind of, kind of a, obtaining this other type of media and, you know, kind of trying to, I don't know, diversify a little bit in that way. And I think that's kind of interesting. And that's the thing where, and this is kind of where I thought you were going, and I think it kind of straddles the line where friend of the show, Ben Thompson, I'm pretty sure he's the one who made this observation was that. The reason why this kind of makes sense is that this helps them, yeah, diversify and control their costs. Because if you think about it, every minute that somebody's listening to podcasts and not listening to music that they're having to pay royalties on is a net win for Spotify because mm -hmm. they paid for the content once. So again, makes sense. But overall, like I don't know, Spotify is really good at not making their app ever feel crowded. Like they iterate on it a lot and it kind of changes where I think maybe that might annoy some users but it's always getting like whatever is being shown to you up front 
is usually what you want. So I don't know, like they're really good at figuring out that balance. So I don't know. Like I, I think better them than Apple or Midroll or one of those other companies that's trying to do stuff with podcasting. Um, I do. Uh, do you have anything else on this? Uh, no, I think we actually got got more out of that than I thought we were going to. So I uh, I have uh, an- another uh, chef special that I'm going to pull forward. Wow! Which is yeah, I have all these little things in my in my little private note channel. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of driving recently, and I came up with a brilliant idea. Not to give myself mm-hmm. too much credit. Mm-hmm. So I had been suffering like you. <laughs> sounds like an ad. That's on, <laughs> this sounds like an ad on MSNBC during the break in the <laughs> Cohen testimony. Um. Yeah. So I'd been suffering with. Um, <laughs> gotta find a different way to say that. <laughs> I've been afflicted by um, a podcast debt like you, and I was looking for a debt mm-hmm. consolidation program. Um. Well, haven't haven't you heard that? Uh, was it Upstart or what, what's that God, company d- that? <laughs> okay, oh, we're not gonna. Okay, so we're not gonna get to any of the new stuff. That's cool because I want to talk about this because I was just listening to the five thirty eight emergency podcast earlier today. I hate that. That makes no sense to me because that particular company, Upstart, they're like, oh yeah, like uh, credit companies are biased because they use your credit score to evaluate your credit worthiness. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like every time that ad comes up, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So you're 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 mad at a company for using your past payment history to see whether or not you're likely to repay something. Got it. Anyway, and their whole thing is that they'll use your education and and potential like earning ability that whatever they think that might be like i i don't get that company i get that a standard like one size fits all fico score is not ideal for everything but i don't know like it just somebody having a certain type of degree doesn't necessarily unless it's computer science and they live in a certain area i don't necessarily think that says that how likely they are to repay a loan and i don't think Mm -hmm. that's the future of finance right yeah yeah biased credit scores okay um upstart yeah so the the podcast debt uh i have a new uh like my my new ted talk is going to be the way to solve this is two podcast apps Hmm, okay so i love pocket casts but i had like these other like i I, and i know this is not like a lot but i whittled it down to there's about 30 podcasts i listen to regularly jesus but but hold on but only like five of them are daily, maybe another six are weekly, and the other ones are like every two weeks or a month. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, I'm, I don't have 30 daily podcasts, like God, no. But then I had like 50 others that were like, somebody recommended this to me, or I it was on a show or something, and I was like, oh, that's something I should listen to. And then I just had like two extra pages full of podcasts that I never got to listen to. So what I did is Pocket Cast is now for the stuff that like is a guaranteed listen and that I love, and that's great. And then I downloaded another podcast app called Castro, and you could sub in Overcast for this, but it doesn't matter. And that's where all the stuff that maybe I'm bored of the other stuff, or I just, I'm not in the mood to listen to the talk show or um, Marketplace or something. And if I want to try something new, it's in the other app. The other app doesn't have any type of notifications turned on. It's only there if I want something new. It makes the mental stress of having 50 shows that I don't ever listen to and stuff taking up space on my phone, like it completely negates that. It, I think it's a brilliant idea. 
Does does Pocket Casts not have the notion of favorite? It does like, play, like playlists or anything. It does, and they're very good. But still, like just like I just sometimes prefer just like looking at the podcast screen of just like here are my subscriptions, hmm. and that's the part where just mentally, if you have fifty shows you don't actually listen to, that that's um, stressful. Got it. Because I I have somewhat of a similar methodology but it's all just an overcasts but you know overcast where i i have you know i have a a playlist that's kind of my go-to one that i am in most of the time and then i have this other playlist that just kind of all the uh well i think i literally call it like back catalog stuff goes into like that makes sense but then if you ever go to like maybe you just never do this or like i mean yeah if if you only stay in playlists i guess that wouldn't ever matter but if you go over to just like here are my podcast subscriptions, and then you have like eighty shows, but you only actually listen to twenty of them, that's when that becomes like if I just want to go back to listen to like an old episode of You Look Nice Today or something like that, is where that breaks down. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and I I can see that in Overcast where that would become an issue. But I really do just live in in playlists. Yeah, so. and play, playlists are good. Like I do have inside Pocket Cast. Like that was part of a way I was trying to resolve it earlier. Is I have like a podcast called like Unplayed A List Podcasts, where just like the fifteen shows I listen to most frequently, all filtered in, and I could see which ones were. And like in Pocket Casts, also had had a good, a smart playlist for stuff that you've starred to listen to later, and stuff that you haven't finished yet, and stuff like that. So yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's my TED Talk. People should have two podcast apps, <laughs> and Castro and Overcast. Like they all actually have pretty solid. Um, CarPlay apps. It's becoming a favorite recurring uh, Darth tweet of mine where he'll he'll have some quick little brief thought and he'll conclude it with, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Oh, yeah. The, I think that's probably where I stole it from. Like, well, people make that joke on Twitter all the time. But it's like, oh, again, we're not going to talk about anything else today. But he had a good one. And I don't know if I can find it in my faves. But if I do, like during the next thing you're talking about, I'll go search for it. But um, he had a thing where... Um, if you're out with uh, for dinner with a group of people, just order an extra thing of fries. Nobody will be mad. Thank you for coming <laughs> to my TED Talk, <laughs> yeah. which is the smartest thing ever. I still want to try his potato thing. Well, every potato thing, but the one about the tiny potatoes. I just wish I wasn't lazy, but... I know. He does have some pretty good sounding cooking recommendations, but almost all of them are just more steps in time <laughs> than I'm usually willing to commit. Yeah, he does make you feel like a bum. I know. I know. Um, let me see. Fries. Oh, there we go. Okay, so now I can give you the thing. You can put it in the thing. Mm-hmm. Move over to Slack with its ugly ass icon, which is still it's still purple and oh, because uh, Mac, it's it, Mac OS. That's the worst part. Uh, you mean on OS ten? It only changed <laughs> to the white icon on mobile because their whole point was, oh, we heard from users that it was hard to see the notification badge so we're only changing it in one place which completely negates the whole we need a unified brand on everything oh i missed that i just because i most of the time the mac app is at least a a few days behind the ios app with feature releases so i just assumed it was behind yeah but for darth he he has uh, as a couple you should always order your own plate of fries preferably more and by probably more i mean one more order for the table trust me on this my friends and then I think there's probably something about, uh, I'm a huge fan of tater tots too. Okay, good. Good, good, good. 
It's it's so good to have him back. It is. Yeah, it is. Did you see the thing? I probably can't find it easily, but he had a really good thing that got a lot of traction on uh, retweets earlier. Like beyond the usual Darth level. I forgot what it was, but it'll come to me. Hmm. Oh, it was this... Uh, he did a retweet of the GOP slamming Michael Cohen, and then he said, uh, yeah, what kind of fucking organization would hire him? Mm-hmm. Pretty good. All right, do we... <laughs> what were we talking about before? Spotify. Okay, what do we... What do we have? Um, well, I guess it's time to get into the actual like real stuff here. 48 minutes in. <laughs> Um, so in between the last time we recorded and today, there was just a deluge of Apple news that leaked out, uh, most of which was thanks to Ming-Chi, i.e. Roger Quo. <laughs> it's like, that's a great, that's a great recurring joke on Upgrade. I really I like that he leans lot. into it and it wasn't just a one-time mistake. It's like, oh yeah, that's just how it is now. Sorry. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so God, it's so much here. So there is new AirPods shipping in the first half of this year, new iPad pro models, uh, new information about this year's iPhones, a 31 inch 6k display, a 16 inch MacBook pro so much happening here. And I want to know, of all this stuff, what are you either most interested in just from like a, I don't know, conceptual standpoint or like, is there anything here that you're like, you're legitimately potentially interested in purchasing when it comes out? Like what, what's, what's catching your eye here? No, meh. I think, I think this, I think the 16 inch MacBook Pro, I think that you are, you are destined to buy this computer. No. So a few things. One super bummed that um he suggest i forget if it's if it was this rumor or maybe i'm merging rumors from another thing but i think he said that USB-C is not a go for this year's iphones that seems to be the consensus there's been a, a handful of fairly reliable uh rumor sites that have indicated that yeah that's a bummer lightning needs to die um and the MacBook Pro, like, I, I'm super excited about any potential revamp to the laptop line just because I have really crunchy arrow keys on my 13-inch MacBook Pro now. And sometimes the right side of my space bar is problematic. Oh, great. Yeah, so, yeah, and the, the crunchy keys makes it the thing way louder than it normally is. So that's, and that's, that's, that's not great, especially in Excel. Um. So I'm I'm happy any time there's a suggestion that they're going to fix the, these god-awful laptops, that they just keep pretending like everything's fine. Like Apple's like the Sarah Sanders of laptop makers. They're just like, oh, yeah, everything's fucking great. We're just, yeah, we'll keep repairing them. It doesn't matter. So that's good. But And the 16-inch MacBook Pro thing, I assume that just means the laptop gets ever so slightly larger and they just shrink the bezels on it. And that seems fairly obvious. Because if you look at any of the... Um, higher end Lenovo ThinkPads or whatever whatever Dell's high end business line is um they have laptops that have almost no bezel whatsoever and they just integrate the webcam into like the bottom of the screen or some people are actually like putting it in like the function row 
So like that could be that could be self. So that, like that's really cool. But again, like I went through my phase of having a big ass laptop, and that's when I was the seventeen year old idiot, or not seventeen year old, the uh, freshman in college with the seventeen inch laptop, <laughs> which depending on screen brightness would last between two and a half hours and maybe four hours if you were lucky. If the thing went to sleep and didn't wake up in your backpack and just ended up. But that had a that had a replaceable battery, didn't it? It did, and then it swelled it swelled up, and that was also uh, difficult or challenging. That was the that's always the thing that all like you know you obviously will have stories of like dial up internet and stuff like that. But I think one of my favorite like old tech stories is always going to be that freshman year of college with that that Dell laptop that I had. Um, Wait, other what part? Than, other other than dropping it and. <laughs> cracking the screen bezel in half um is the fact that i had carried around this enormous second battery i, I got one of those like high capacity oh, you ones got, like, that the, had the, the nine the cell thing that's, that would stick out like an extra third out of the laptop right yeah, yeah. um and, and and even better i bought it on ebay and i i don't remember I, I guess it was an officially dell branded battery i don't i don't remember but um I don't know, buying third-party batteries like that, probably, I don't know, not not the best idea, but... It was Dell with three L's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Calvin Klein with two Ks. Um, yeah, so... Well, no, but the problem... Wait, so it, it contemporary to that time was... Uh, remember when all the Dell batteries and Sony batteries were catching on fire? I think it was the same time. So there's, that was an even sketchier reason to not buy third-party batteries. I was a poor, poor college student. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah, the E fifteen oh five was kind of. It, it, it was, was. It was a good. It was a good computer. Yeah, the ran Vista like a champ. Um. So yeah. So I, I had the. I, I was really dumb, and I I bought a seventeen inch laptop. And even though OS ten was really good at returning from sleep really well, uh, the Intel transition, even though OS ten was pretty great at it overall, uh not waking up while it was sleeping was not its strong point and very frequently it would yeah turn on while uh while it was asleep inside a bag and then your battery would be at five percent and you could cook an egg on it <laughs> so that was not ideal so therefore uh yeah i i'm i'm not on the big laptop uh club anymore so i hope uh they iterate quickly and whatever uh, pray to god the 16 inch laptop is fixed or the, the new gen of MacBook Pros is fixed, and then that stuff cascades down into a 13 or a 14-inch MacBook Pro, and I can be rid of this devil machine that doesn't have an escape key and is generally a really, really bad laptop. Yeah, it kind of seems like if, in kind of the, like the best-case scenario, Apple is kind of responding to the, the faults of this uh, current MacBook Pro generation design, it kind of seems like this year would have been kind of like the earliest, like given their product cycle, that they'd actually be able to come out with something. Because we've had this design for three what, years, three years now. Three years. Yeah. So even like at the aggressive end, like this would have been the year that they could kind of turn it around. Yeah, and even with the the MacBook Air and all the times when they allegedly said that um, it's gotten better. Even Joanna Stern, the biggest proponent of the MacBook Air, is like, yeah, hers is two months old, and you have to press really hard on the keys, otherwise sometimes it just misses keystrokes. It's like they haven't fixed it, so scrap the design and just 
get over it. And you know it's Apple, so they won't apologize for it. So, yeah, I, it, this is it's kind of a maybe kind of a hot take, but I I have you know I have one of the the 15 inch MacBook Pros, the new ones at work. That's got like the the latest generation keyboard. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't mind it. It's not horrible, and like if you, sometimes you get in a good groove where you're not pressing really hard on the keys and you're not pressing too lightly, and it feels nice. Yeah. Like there's just enough key travel, but the problem is it doesn't stay that way. And a lot, of, well, but you have the new one where they've dampened the sound too, so it's oh, not... and it's it's um it's noticeable. Like there there are <clears throat> there are folks in my office who have the version before me, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, it's a or like if I'm on like the ferry or whatever, like it it it's noticeable uh, when people have the generation prior to the one that I have, they have the lame busted ass generation that I do. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, and you, well, you probably don't, is, does Excel or do the apps you use require escape a lot or not really? Not really. You don't no. care about that? No, I mean the, the, the touch bar I'm super, super neutral towards. Like, I don't really feel like it takes away a ton from what I would, otherwise have with a normal function row but then i also don't think it's great like i just it's it's eh, it's fine you know especially when with the air they prove that they could just put a touch id sensor and it doesn't require the touch yeah bar at all. i mean i think i think given like if i had the choice i would probably select like the exact same computer with a standard function row with you know touch id built into it like mm-hmm. the macbook air but the fact that it has a, a touch bar is fine yeah so the other rumors were um, something, something. Oh, yeah, iPhone. So Samsung already beat Apple to this. Um, the new Galaxy S10 already does bi-directional wireless charging, so that's fine. But apparently that's one of the things the new iPhones might be able to do. They might have larger batteries, and yeah, they're sticking. Oh, allegedly Face ID might be getting better. Which, yeah, that's, I'm, I was a little surprised that didn't happen this last cycle or maybe that was an unreasonable expectation but yeah i mean i I think when face id first came out i mentioned this that i fully expected it to follow the same path that touch id did where it you know it will it will continue to get better and better and we'll kind of look back at the first version and be like oh wow how do we ever get by yeah uh so anything else with iphones um i don't think so i think my expectations are that this is going to be a really quiet year on the iPhone front. Well, so let me let me put you on the record. Does the iPhone XR continue to get sold? I don't. I wouldn't bet that it's that they continue to call it the XR or some variant of the XR. But well, a phone that's aluminum, not stainless steel, and is mostly the same form factor. Yeah, I think I think we'll see. I think we'll see. At, I, I was kind of thinking that we actually might even see more versions this year. Like I was thinking we might see like four or five different new phones, but it's all the rumors have, have circled around. We're going to see the same three phone lineup that we saw last year. And I know this is something we talk about a lot where Apple can't doesn't really adjust to current day, modern day punditry or current sales numbers just because it takes too long for them to change what's already in the pipeline. But so you're you're suggesting that they move to like four or five models, but it really maybe I'm mis, misreading this, but it really feels like a lot of their sales struggles right now, even beyond the shrinking Chinese economy, 
is that maybe there's too many models that aren't the top end one. Like that a lot of people don't want to buy the 10R, even though it's a great value and a great phone, because it's not the high end one. How does introducing more models solve that problem? Well, I think Apple through the price, and I just think general messaging has clearly labeled the iPhone XR as the, and you I mean you have to put this in air quotes because it's as expensive as like the top end iPhone was from a couple of years ago, but it, it's the cheap iPhone now. But I, I think the the other route that Apple could go if they wanted to introduce more variations is more high end models, like for example, <laughs> for example. Well, like, like, so for, for, for example, you know, prior to the 10s, the biggest iPhone, so that you know, the plus models were always differentiated by the dual lens system, right? But like, mm-hmm. you would never really consider the non plus version, like an inferior phone just because it didn't have that second lens. I mean, you, you would acknowledge that having the second lens was a superior camera system, but it wouldn't really completely color your opinion of that smaller phone. So I think there are other high-end features that Apple could do where if you had three or four different phones that had slight feature differences, but you could still look at them and, and acknowledge that, yeah, they're all, they're all high-end phones. I, th- I think they could do something like that. Maybe. Maybe. But that that mostly sounds like just only making higher end features, which still means that Apple, like I don't see them dropping the entry level price point of the high end phones below a thousand dollars. Like maybe adding more value up the chain at the ridiculously priced phones, like that, still seems like a challenge. Yeah, they're in they're in a tough spot with iPhone in terms of change, because I mean this is like the super this is super not an original thought but it it takes apple many many years to plan out a new iphone release so if if they're going to make some drastic change in strategy it's not something we're going to see for at least another year or two yeah um oh yeah so the the next part that actually is fairly interesting is that well this something i don't know if this is actually addressed any of the rumors so Quo reports that the existing panel size of the 9.7-inch iPad updates to 10.2. Does that have Face ID? I, I, I can't remember. I have to look back at this article to see. Um, I thought one of the um, articles, I guess it didn't address. I, I, thought, I thought I saw somewhere where someone had indicated that um, it would have Face ID, but I can't find that now. Because if it doesn't, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, why... That model iPad is actually probably the best value of any device that Apple currently sells. So why even bother if you're not going to put Face ID in it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. They, the iPad, the iPad lineup's very strange. Where the difference in screen, like the difference in screen sizes across the Mac line, maybe with the exception of the MacBook and 13-inch. MacBook Pro, although or an and 13-inch MacBook Air, although even there, I feel like the MacBook is differentiated in a number of other ways where even though the screen is a similar size, it it's still pretty different from the rest of the lineup. Whereas like with the iPads, like you've got these like half-inch differences in screen size and, you know, otherwise have a lot of features in parity 
it's 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 difficult to go in and and differentiate between the iPads. It's a very clustered lineup. Yeah, and and that's the thing where if they keep those like that's how you like face ID and the like narrower bezels and all that kind of stuff. Like that's how you can tell that this is the low end slash mid range iPad and these are the pro models. Sounded like if you if you get to the point where you have a ten point two inch iPad mid range that has um, face ID versus the iPad Pro ten inch or ten point five oh it's eleven inches. Like that's that that seems like you now muddy the water similar to a ten R situation again. Right. Yeah. Um, and then air power eventually comes out. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, like, cool. Like, I I don't know because it sounds like anybody who wants to buy a wireless charging probably already bought it by now. So who's going to buy this? Because it's going to be super expensive. Yeah i i my interest in air power could not be any lower, and I'm I'm tired of hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the only the only story of this Ming-Chi Kuo lineup that we didn't touch on was the 31.6 inch 6k display, which sounds really cool. And I'm, I'm sure will be an incredibly impressive display, but I, I fear for how expensive this thing's going to be. So I'm fine with that. Like that's the part where maybe uh, like as a kid, I always like, I always like thought the power Mac G five and the 30 inch cinema display were like the pinnacle of like computers. Like that was so cool. Like you'd you'd be in the actually did they have Apple and Best Buy back in those days or was it just CompUSA? Probably CompUSA because there was no Apple store in, in Orange County. Where like that was just such a cool computer. And even back in like two thousand four dollars, like the thirty inch cinema display was three grand. But it was like the biggest, coolest, like prestige display you could get on any modern computer. And I don't know, Apple just doesn't make any cool, like, wacky stuff like that anymore. And, like, and they, 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 can, they can afford it. It's, it's kind of funny you say that about the cinema display because I was always the same way growing up where, like, a cinema display was something that I just always really, really wanted because it was such a nice-looking screen. The design was, was great. The way that it, you know, could quickly integrate with... A, a laptop that you can kind of quickly pick up and put back down. Everything about it was just so cool. And I, I came into the game way late. In fact, I think, I guess I, I guess I must, must have bought like the very last model they created. Didn't you have one of those funky Thunderbolt displays? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I got in college and it was just like, that was like, just like, that was like one of my, my proudest purchases. I loved that. <laughs> I love, I loved having that cinema display. Um, and I mean, used it all the way until it it basically started dying. <laughs> was that the one that had the breakout cable, like where it had actually like MagSafe built into yeah, the monitor? Uh huh. Right. See, that was the kind of like vertically integrated shit that Apple doesn't do anymore. So, so cool. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Um, and you know, I figure like they could do something pretty neat with a display now with like USB C. Well, I yeah. They... If if Apple cared to make proper USB C accessories, yeah. Well, but I th- I th- I assume that's what this monitor is going to be. I w- I would think. Well, but it, it's it's Olson. supposed to because this is a byproduct of um the alleged like modular Mac Pro. Like they said, we're also going to make we're also making a Pro level display. So it I think it mostly is for the Mac Pro, but because they like just the, the quantities in which the Mac Pro sells, it probably has to have some type of compelling use case with 
um, a Thunderbolt 3 enabled uh, MacBook Pro over USB C. Uh, Apple partnering with Goldman Sachs to make a credit card. Ugh. I love it. I love this. Apple doesn't even care anymore. About, like, yeah, I thought so. Uh, Gruber talked about this on the latest episode of the talk show. And I don't know the 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 route he went down when describing it. I thought was pretty interesting. Where he views like company credit cards, like airline mileage cards, and like store reward point cards, and all of that, as being kind of like something that a company that's run out of ideas does. Gruber said this. Yeah. Because it, it, cause it's obviously just trying to siphon money out of like just for nothing. Right. And it's just, yeah. And it's, um, I, th- I guess there's like some part of the rumor where like, it's going to have this deeper integration with iOS and the watch where, you can set budgets on it and it's going to have this kind of like activity ring style. It, it, it's, ugh, it, none of it sounds like anything that I want. Wait, like in terms of you spent too much money or you spent too, too little money on Apple? <laughs> well, good, yeah, good question. I mean like that, because that's the nice thing about Apple wallet where other than like chase ink cards, like pretty much every card can be app added to Apple wallet and there's no like tiered system. So like that, no. Yeah, it's. Uh, and gross. also, it's I mean, this might just be a personal opinion thing, but Goldman Sachs does not necessarily have positive brand association for most people. No, I mean definitely not. But I, regardless, Goldman Sachs, Visa, whatever, I, Apple getting into the credit card business to me is concerning on a lot of levels because that was actually the really ingenious part about apple pay is that apple still got a cut of almost every transaction and it was invisible and no customer was ever aware of it so when you now think you have an apple credit card to pay for your phone that's too expensive like eh, that's that's not great no yeah um and then a couple maybe you'll just put notes in the thing i'm not sure we can actually actually need to talk about it but um, you put a thing in here that I think you got linked from uh, Gruber as well, which was um, Dr. Drang had a thing about kind of how um, Apple's SVP and leadership lineup has affected certain products. And he kind of related the improvement and the, the initial struggles and improvement of the App Store and uh, that of Apple Retail kind of with maybe incorrect choices in uh, the senior leadership level. Yeah, I mean, the the reason I pulled it was because I thought it it touched on what I was trying to explain when we were talking about Apple retail in our last episode, which is Apple, I think, has just been focused on the wrong things, which is something that I think kind of just tends to happen when companies are just do are wildly successful and are basically just printing money. It gives you the the kind of freedom to focus on maybe more frivolous things and i i don't know dr drang does this really interesting comparison between some like design decisions that johnny ive has made and some decisions that angela ernst had made in retail where both have been maybe more focused on design 
an aesthetic and less focused on like actual functionality and efficiency. And I thought that's um, that was an interesting comparison, and I think kind of encapsulates a lot of maybe what has gone wrong with Apple over the last handful of years. Yeah, like I don't have the article in front of me, but I remember this distinctly from reading it when you sent when you sent it over. Where I think he said, um, like the Apple stores look better than ever, but they don't necessarily work better than ever. Yeah, so Something it's, like that. it's 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 the, the kind of the the money passage here is to me Ernst Fight. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't think we, so. We did this. We did this whole thing last Ernst. time. Anyway, Ernst uh, Ernst's five years in charge of retail has been similar to Ives' time as chief design officer. The Apple stores look better than ever, but they don't work as well as they used to. No one I know looks forward to going to an Apple store, even when it's for the fun task of buying a new toy. Which is which is so true. Like I to me like with the whole retail thing with like the design of the stores and the architecture behind them. And then like, even then comparing that to some of the design decisions with the iPhone and some of the materials being used, like it's just so much of that stuff just seems so unnecessary. And the, like if you were to refocus the efforts and attention that are spent on those areas and instead focus them on, I don't know, like efficiency of getting replacement products or service on products in the stores or um, I'm trying to think of like what a good analogy like in iOS would be, but just just focusing on more core functionality seems well, yeah, like, like such a better like use of time. Imagine like, have you ever had to manage your Apple ID inside of iOS? Yes. Yeah. That's like, a good, stuff like really that. good example. Yes. Yes, exactly. Who, who brought, oh, it was on, um, yeah, you don't listen to ATP, but if you listen to whatever last week's episode was, not, not the one that's going to come out today, John had a really good 30 minute thing about like just talking about he wanted, he wasn't able to update his uh, payment card information on his Apple ID. And it took three phone calls to Apple for them to tell him it was being used on too many Apple accounts. Yet the phone didn't tell me of that. It's stuff like that where if you go three, like two taps too far of where Apple thought you eventually would ever go, like iOS is crufty and weird as hell in a lot of ways. Where maybe like uh, that's something Scott Forstall would have caught. Like I, I have no idea. But yeah, a lot of times like the gloss of the product and the software layer is good enough. But in a lot of ways, as the product becomes more complicated and there's more um, complexity those are the same thing oh, but there's more complexity to it uh like that hasn't necessarily caught up in the same way that the apple store hasn't necessarily and, and in i again it's a very hard job i'm not saying like i have all the answers but it had that level of experience is kind of only skin skin deep where if you actually need support on your product um it all kind of falls apart like if you ever need to go to the apple store even if you're willing to wait Generally, you're told, nah, take a hike. It's three days to see somebody. And that's crazy. And just, you know, like how poorly thought out the iPhone upgrade program was at launch. The, the, <laughs> the, the list kind of goes on and on with both iOS and retail. Tim said they're going to get into more fancy financial maneuvering to get people to pay for their expensive phones. So that that's the... Didn't he literally say when the whole China sales uh and um 
what's it what's it called when you when you do a thing they they revise their earnings estimate um like three months ago he's like oh yeah the ways we're gonna fix this is we're gonna make it easier to transfer your data in store that's the wrong answer bud and then uh, <laughs> to make it easier to trade in your phone and the subtext was to pay for your oh, too expensive phone like it was those were not tim's best moments or at least maybe he i don't uh, yeah it, it just didn't ring true at all but Wait, so so hear me out on this. So it, it's it's the it's the new version of the iPhone. It's the Goldman Sachs edition. It's gold plated. Starts at a twelve thousand dollars. I think I think this might be the key to Apple turning it around. Yeah, and only Lloyd Blankfein can afford it. Right. Wait, that's the name. He's that's no. It's yeah. Jamie Dimon is the Chase guy. No, it, it's Lloyd Blankfein. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh no, that oh that's brilliant. No, no more, mm-hmm. no Thank more, yeah. no more Hermes edition. There's only the Goldman Sachs. No, the, edition Go- the Goldman Sachs edition. You you have to have the Goldman Sachs Apple credit card to purchase it. Mm-hmm. You had to have evicted a family, a working class family. Yeah, out of your yep. rental unit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's part of the application process. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> Well, not getting approved for that card. Hopefully, it doesn't have good rewards. Um, <laughs> they probably pay you in fucking App Store credits. Like it, it's Apple. They're not going to give you anything good. Um, oh, that would be that'd be weird. I don't think they're going to do anything. Well, it's the like same that. thing where there's that, and it keeps coming up in my Instagram ads. And I don't use Uber, but it it keeps pitching the dumb uh, Uber credit card to me, which uh-huh. is like it's like four percent back on date night. Yeah, no, no, um, and it's all redeemable in fucking Uber rides. And I don't use your service. That's bad. That's bad. I, I I assume the Apple Card's going to just be straight cash back. I don't I don't think they're going to. But like it's not going to. But it's not going to be like reserve card level like rewards or something. So what's oh, the, no, what, what's no, even no. the point? There there is no point. It's it, it, the, the point is Apple doesn't care anymore. <laughs> like are, can they count whatever they skim off the top as services revenue? Probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But, anyway. I said, there's literally like the Apple's decision tree. There, there's a branch that's can this be classified as services revenue? Yes, great, move forward. No, scrap it. I was gonna make a joke on Twitter before, which seemed very inappropriate, but I'll say it here, which was that if Tim Cook thought like clubbing baby seals in the Antarctic would bring services revenue, or if he could sell his people, he would be very next day. Um, like they just don't. I get really frustrated when companies that have a good thing going get to a point where they feel like, well, we've exhausted this revenue source. Now we just need to find out. Like, I understand it's a public company and that growth matters, but like you're not, nothing you're making, like your, your TV shows, whatever you're making, aren't going to have the same impact and importance as making a good phone or all the other times that Apple's made something cool and that has grown a market. Like you're just literally just putting a bunch of people in a room thinking of how can we take more money from people? And I don't mean taken a bad way, like earn more people's money, whatever. But like, that's not, that's, that seems like not the right thing. It's not, it's, it, it seems nearsighted. It seems like something fucking GE does or like, uh, like that seems like what they, they're doing inside the walls of Comcast. Yeah. It's not yeah. great. All right. I think we can skip everything else related to Apple. Oh God. We didn't talk about HQ, uh, HQ2 last time. I know. I do, do we do we want to? I I I'm I'll fine. I'll just make one statement about it, and you can reply if you want. 
this is something that probably would have been good for the state of New York and the New York, uh, the New York City metro area. Amazon um, is run by, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. The entire HQ2 process was a really fucking dumb, stupid thing that they treated like a game show and making municipalities compete against each other like it's The Bachelor is a bad thing for the country and for businesses. And if they wanted a sweetheart deal with some type of company for tax rebates and stuff like that, they could have done it quietly, gotten what they wanted, and nobody would have cared because that's how it happens all the time. And Amazon fucked themselves and they kind of deserve it. And here's the pro- Here's the best part. They've already stated that they're probably going to grow jobs in New York anyway, because that's what they have to do, because that's where the talent is. So none of it mattered. <sighs> yeah. There was a very good episode of The Daily about it. There was. Yeah, there was. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's such a hard story to talk about, because there's just... There's... Well, there's so many dumb parts, and there's so many parts that are also upsetting for obvious reasons, which is like the whole playing different like because i think the eu has already legislated against this we're playing different states or different regions against each other for tax rebates is is illegal right like and and that's the more upsetting part but the fact that apple or sorry apple well maybe 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 they do it too uh well actually no they didn't i'll give them credit for that didn't they after hq2 that whole stupid thing they're like oh yeah we're building a camp a campus in Mm -hmm. texas and we're just gonna just play by the rules mostly like i assume they still negotiated deals and stuff but they didn't do it in the the ridiculous way, but yeah, these are just facts of life, and Amazon just went about it in the dumbest way possible, and it's just all for nothing. Well, and there and there's there's so much misunderstanding. Not not to not to do the both sides thing, but <laughs> I mean on on Amazon, <laughs> I know. Um, how how dumb is it that the phrase "both sides" has become a loaded? Ugh. Anyway. Um, well, so I, you can't call anybody a very fine person anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, so true. Oh man. Um. Anyway, uh, um, like on on the you know on the opponent side of this, there in in a, in a lot of cases was just a complete lack of understanding as to how tax credits work, like conflating tax credits with cash rebates very very different thing or or even just straight up like just upfront cash very very different and all those things were being kind of combined with each other into like this one massive number which you you don't mean they were just taking money out of the subway budget to give it to (laughs) jeff it's not not quite how it works now and 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 i you know even this is why it's so hard to talk about because I don't mean to completely like diminish the opposition here. There were a lot of legitimate concerns around what this would mean for local housing prices and local public transportation. Like I, I one thousand percent get all that, so I don't mean to to put that all down. But at the same time, both sides just kind of were like sort of talking past each other and mm-hmm. just sort of missing some of the. Like I just I feel like if there was some more rational and careful thought put into this, it would have been something that everyone could have come to an agreement around. Well, yeah, because Amazon doesn't isn't used to facing any resistance in its in its expansions, and the problem is exactly like you're saying. Like there was no good way to communicate it. Where people who people are being galvanized by oh how do I say this word oh 
Okay, well, you can cut this out. But like, we're like progressive sides on the left are becoming very, very anti-business for good reasons, in the sense that the largest, richest company run by the richest person in the world doesn't need tax giveaways or maybe shouldn't be on the high priority list to as to be the business that grows and gets tax rebates and stuff like that. But then you have people who don't understand finance and that kind of stuff who think that literally no matter what happens, the state is paying somebody money. It that's That's not exactly how it works. You are foregoing tax revenue in the hopes that in the long term you come out ahead, which is which is I mean you could debate whether or not that's a deal that the government should be making, but it's not like literally they're taking money out of the state budget and just handing it over to Jeff Bezos, right? Kind of, it sort of is, kind of, but in a very very different way than the way it's being um, suggested by like your Ocasio Cortez types and a lot of people who were like the the feet on the ground about this probably actually didn't necessarily understand how it works but well, and yeah I, I was gonna say and like i think with ocasio cortez in particular like her response when this all happened where she was really focused on not just the local situation in new york but sort of like amazon in general it's just it that's kind of a i don't know that's a weird that's a weird take to demonize the entire company like you can certainly disagree with the local deal that was being proposed and certain aspects of the company, but just to kind of make this blanket statement that Amazon in its entirety is this, you know, greedy corporation, just, I don't don't know. I, so that's the part I actually would probably say I kind of do, like, I think Amazon escapes a lot of scrutiny and it's only been the past year that it's, it's kind of catching up to them with their treatment of employees and that kind of stuff. And, um, of like, sorry, of their fulfillment center employees, like the, the non-corporate employees. And um, what was the other part? Yeah, like there was an investigative thing where, again, I know your refrain to this is going to be uh, fix the tax laws or don't hate the player, hate the game or whatever. But the part where Amazon, I think, like, I don't remember the article immediately, but like over the past two years has paid almost nothing in federal income taxes for cre- creative accounting reasons. And not in the Enron sense, but just in the actual sense. And I get that, sure, fix the tax laws. But when, again, richest man in the world and one of the largest American companies, like, there is something wrong with that. And that is something that needs to be fixed. I know you can't count on Paul Ryan to do it, but like, that is a problem. And this expansion is one of the most visible things to a public that is upset about that and who rightfully should be upset about it. Like, I don't know. It, it has some validity, but specifically in this case, kind of not really. Uh, I, I, I mean, my, you've already, you've already taken my, <laughs> I've, my I've, response. I've both sided your both sides response. Yeah, but it, but it, yeah, it, it, don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, it's... I, I, I don't agree with that though, because like, like I, I, I agree with it, but I really feel like we need the political wherewithal to actually fix the game. And oh, it, and, it, and it's yeah, that, it, but it's that the futility of it that makes me hate the player too. I hate both. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, your hate is 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 well grounded, but I'm just like because I mean, you think about think about yourself as a personal taxpayer. If there, well, yeah, there's a are, whole Mitt, Rom, Mitt Romney dumb thing, which is yeah, I don't pay more than a penny of taxes that I'm legally required to. Sure, yeah. but also. With businesses, because of the way you can allocate losses in different ways, 
a company that makes insane. Well, but you should, but you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Uh, but we have fucking Paul <laughs> Ryan's. Okay, we're we're moving on because yeah. we're in agreement mostly. But I'm just more despondent over the fact that it's unfixable, even though it should be fixable. Uh, yeah, I, I agreed. Agreed. Okay. Oh dear, this has been one. This has been an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you want to run this out with Uber or do you want to talk about some lighthearted stuff? Let's talk about some lighthearted stuff. I don't really, I mean, Uber, Uber continues to lose astronomical, astronomical amounts of money. I don't yeah. really know. I do have a revenue saving plan for them. Stop showing me that ad on Instagram. <laughs> this isn't really that fun. Bruce Bochy's retiring after this season. Um, Sad actually, thing. so I, of this grab Wait. bag stuff that, hmm? Wait, oh, I thought you were going to give me like some real-time follow-up or something. Oh, no, no, no. I was I was going to say of this, the grab bag stuff. Yeah, I agree. The the Boost Butchie stuff, a bummer. He's He's been great for the Giants, but he's he's been in the league for a long, long time. So man he's deserves a, some rest. Yeah, didn't he coach the Padres before this? He did. Or he yeah. did them, for, or he uh, he was a uh, yeah, coach for a while for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was I was going to say that the, the grab bag thing that I'm kind of interested to get your opinion on here is the foldable phone stuff that came out of this samsung event yeah but jerul kongapochi again I, I he had three amazing seasons well he had a good he had a really good run for a while but three world championships uh it's a real bummer that he's not able to go out on top or that it's kind of it's fizzling out now nah, they're gonna sign bryce harper it's gonna be fine yeah uh, god that he should walk off and walk off the field <laughs> and protest throws that um yeah the okay so I, I will answer this after you answer this. Do you think folding phones are cool or will be cool? Yes. Okay. I, I think fold I think foldable screen technology in general has a lot of really cool potential. I think it's gonna be a while before we get there and we're gonna see a lot of dumb stuff before we see something that's actually cool. But but yeah, I think I think we're we're gonna get there. Yeah, so I I agree. I I think I think people owe Samsung a lot of credit that they don't get. As somebody, and I'm talking about user you here, as a user of the iPhone XS Max, I think like that phone wouldn't exist if Samsung hadn't made a bunch of goofy phones that everybody thought were ridiculous for like three years until. The market was like, oh, actually, that's pretty great. Yeah, I Mike Mike made that same point on upgrade, and when he said it, I was like, damn, yeah, I I'm sure that I made fun of the note when it first came out, but but yeah, a thousand percent, it it went down it it went down a road that nobody else w- was willing to go down and set the the trend for smartphones. Yeah, like I I don't think I think Sam sucks. Uh, Sam sucks. Sorry, Samsung <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Samsung still lacks a lot of taste and restraint in their product design, but it's getting better. And I think actually Apple has lost a lot of their taste and restraint in a lot of their stuff, of what, especially on the software side of what they say yes and no to. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like a foldable, like these are not going to be the foldable phones that everybody loves. And these are like, actually going back a second, I think it was the Galaxy... No, it was the Note 4, I think, 
Samsung made a phone called the Galaxy Note Edge, and it had it was back when curved screens on phones weren't a thing, and only one side of the screen had a curve on it. And that was one of their first like mass market experiments into foldable screen or not foldable screen, um, like curved screen technology, which is now on basically every phone that they sell and that a lot of people sell. So it starts somewhere, and they're the people who are willing to make it work or to to try it. Like that phone had a ton of really stupid features on it. Like they couldn't figure out what they were actually going to put on that edge to actually make it useful. So they literally put on a measuring tape, like, and it looked really silly. But <clears throat> at least they're making an effort. And I know Apple, like a lot of times, gets a lot of credit for, oh yeah, well they jump on a product category or thing once it's established and they're ready to do it quote unquote right but that's as long as we're when we say that we're acknowledging that that's the easy way out yeah i I think that's well said yeah so it's gonna like and i i am super excited like i know it's gonna take a really long time because like if you look at did you what's the other what's the the sketchy chinese brand that's gonna hack all our stuff huawei yes yeah what's the uh, what's the phone called though Huawei. Oh, I don't. I don't remember. It is it's called the some... Huawei. Where's? Come on, Verge. Uh, the Huawei Mate X. Oh, I so can't, there's can't can't believe I didn't remember that. So there's two different approaches to this. So like, I can't wait for like, I think I like their approach better, but we're also going to need like very very scratch resistant screens if we have like super glossy OLED panels that. It's going to be sitting face down on a desk and stuff. But like, that's going to be really cool. And that a lot of times would like that would obviate the need for an iPad. And that would make like, I don't know, that just seems really, really cool. But it's going to take a long time for that to be a thing we're all holding in our pocket. But like that, that is like phones can't keep getting bigger forever. And eventually, like, even though like we have smartwatches now, so we don't have to pull out our phone out of our pocket all the time. But like, I don't know, this seems really, really wise. And we're just gonna have to suffer through three to five years of people throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And then hopefully we have a decent phone eventually. And then Apple will find a way to charge 40% more than they actually should. <laughs> oh, you bet. And and you'll be at your fancy new uh, Apple store that and paying for it with your Goldman Sachs credit card. You'll get charged every time you unfold the phone. That goes right into services revenue. Mm-hmm. 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 And, it, and it only plays the repeat of that Jennifer Aniston TV show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. What do we have for Chef, chef Special? I think I actually already did, too, so it's mostly you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have kind of... Uh, it's not really a specific product, although I guess I, I could maybe make a, a product recommendation here, but it's more of just kind of like a general little tip. Hmm. Um, so I, I'm not really big into the idea of having to sleep in like a pitch dark room. In fact, I actually tend to like a little bit of light, but one thing that I I don't care for are when you've got a bunch of like bright little led lights from USB chargers or like whatever kind of other electronics you have in your room. So I, I had this situation and I, did kind of the old trusty method of putting some like black duct tape over some of the most, you know, bright lights that I had on my uh, nightstand. But then I got the idea of, I have these handful of smart switches that I had had from over the holidays with setting up our Christmas lights. 
So I pulled one of those out. I have one of the the Wemo ones. Um, they're not they're not super great. Um, they do have HomeKit support, which is nice, which will become key in what I'm about to talk about here in a minute. Um, some of the some of the other stuff, like the I think the Amazon Smart Switch is is actually pretty good. Um, but I, I don't don't think that has HomeKit support. Um, but no matter what Smart Switch you end up with hooking all of your stuff up that's like on your nightstand or in other places in your the, the room that you sleep and turning that off when you go to bed is is a nice little nice little life hack i think um and when you bring in like the home kit integration that i mentioned a minute ago you know you can incorporate turning off that smart switch as part of some type of like good night routine which i which i have set up and so it it just becomes part of basically turning off the lights in your house for the night. So I've 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 done this. I've I've set up a Wemo switch, hooked all the stuff that's connected on my nightstand that's got, you know, lights or whatever on it and it just automatically turns off when I trigger my um goodnight sh- uh, shortcut. And it's great. So can you give me an example of stuff that you that has a light but you wouldn't want turned on at night? The I've got a like an anchor uh, USB charger that I just have, you know, a couple of USB cables hooked up to. So when random things need to be charged, I just, you know, hook it up there. Okay. And the only thing I really need to charge like overnight is my iPhone. Yeah. And that has to stay on. Yeah. But that's so I I don't have that hooked up to the Wemo switch because anyway, it doesn't have any lights or anything on it. Mm-hmm. So that that's fine to stay on. Yeah, I, I'm. I've always done the like the black gaffer's tape. Route, yeah, so that, that, that's what I had. That's what I had too. But like, light would sometimes kind of leak through that, and it, it just kind of looked sort of janky. So, um, I yeah went with the the smart switch, and that's that's worked out really well. Uh, the best solution is an over engineered solution. I like uh-huh. it. Yep. Um, and you mentioned you, you so your hue lights are all synced through the um. Uh, the HomeKit app. Were you the one that was saying you were singing the praises of HomeKit recently? Yeah, I've been been getting more in specifically the automation pieces of HomeKit. And and are those pieces only invocable through uh, Siri, or can they be done either by a shortcut, a widget, or the Home app? Uh, they, they can be done all of the above. Although the automation stuff that I've been mostly messing around with has been uh, location stuff, so I actually really haven't been triggering the actions so much as they've been triggering triggering themselves based on certain uh criteria around who's home and who's not home got it oh cool and uh so wemo plugs a thumbs up or very cautious thumbs up very cautious thumbs up again they they have home kit support i don't know how many other smart switches do um the the home kit support they actually added after the fact they they you know they they patched it in uh-huh. when apple started allowing software based home kit integrations it's actually been pretty good recently when it when it first came out the home app would just stop recognizing the switches and you'd have to like unplug them and plug them back in to get them to show up again mhm that's happened that hasn't happened in a while actually so i don't know maybe that stuff's getting better um 
but besides the home kit integration like the initial setup process is really really wonky where you know it, it creates like a little ad hoc wi-fi network that you have to, it's, it's just kind of it's kind of a mess so i don't and they're they're really big like the, the thing that i really like about the uh amazon smart switch which a friend down the street had purchased and i i helped set up a couple of weeks ago and it, it's really small which is super nice yeah the like wemo the, switches are wide the, they're, they're huge yeah which seems kind of unnecessary whereas the amazon ones are are pretty sleek and and really really easy to set up um but again you you lose the the home kit stuff which you could i suppose um instead go with like a routine which the uh, lady in a can routine stuff uh, I've been playing around a little bit with more lately and it, it's it's becoming really good now too and in, in most cases can do pretty much everything that like a Siri shortcut could so maybe you know maybe you could get you could go with that and just build out a uh, instead of a good night Siri shortcut maybe you build out a, a good night routine and use the Amazon stuff I think that that'd be a good option too. And are those um, what you got? The uh, in-wall hue uh, switches still working great? So yeah, I, mean, I, I still just have the one installed. Although I actually just, um, thanks to your recommendation, I had traded in some of my old electronics into Amazon, <laughs> and so I uh, had some Amazon gift cards. So I used some of that to purchase a second switch. Um. I think I had mentioned this on the show or maybe I had mentioned this off air. Like we, we had been waiting to buy more of these to like, see if they would go on sale. Uh, I, it turns out that they, they're so popular that they actually raised the price by $10. <laughs> oh. So they're, they're now $60 a piece, um, oh. which is, which is, which is too much. Um, <laughs> although I mean, I still bought one, so maybe I'm part, part of the problem. Definitely. Uh, but then they're they're really they're really nice. All right, well, good. Um, and then yeah, I don't have anything else, so I will recap my two picks, which are the um, Cliff uh, whey protein bars, which are delicious, and uh, my uh, my TED talk of you should get two podcast apps, feel less guilty. <laughs> <laughs>